This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you, as the parent, can follow their ride on a live tracking map. Yeah, when your teen requests a trip, they're matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive real-time notifications. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. And today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Of all the addresses in the fair United States of America, perhaps the most prestigious is 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Welcome to the show. My name is Ben. Bears and raccoons and alligators and stuffy old white men. Oh, my. (laughs) My name is Noel, and this is Ridiculous History. And we were just chatting off air with the the third member of our triumvirate, uh, super producer Casey Pegram, about animals, right? about pets, about the government, and, of course, about history. Because we've looked at some weird presidential things before. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned some. Um, but when you when you get down to the nitty-gritty, the legumes and uh, peanuts – oh, those are the same thing mm. – uh, the, uh, the beans and nuts of the, of the situation, presidents and presidential families are – like any other family. They're just like you or I. <laughs> of course, yes. Yeah, you know, they they do people stuff. They wear pants, mm-hmm. put them on, you know, one leg at a time, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they brush their teeth. They... Although they might have servants that put their pants on for them, in oh. which case that's, that's different, and I, I don't have that. So. Right, or they might have someone brushing their teeth. 
They might have a machine that's been custom built to put pants on them. But we're not talking about pants machines today, are we, Ben? No, no. We are talking about something that is, I would say, at the very least, equally fascinating. Yeah, we're talking about pets because, you know, in the interest of, of appearing as, as normal human beings and, you know, and possibly because of genuine love of animals, presidents often traditionally have pets, although number 45 has eschewed pets and has spoken against pets, saying they were, quote, low class. But we're not here to talk about that today. We're talking about the legacy of uh-huh. presidential pets, particularly some kind of weird ones. Yes. So first off, I am baffled. That's new information to me. I can't believe – really? No pets, huh? No pets. Wow. That's kind of unusual historically because the other 44 presidents, uh, the majority of them did have some sort of – well, they or a family member did have some sort of animal companion and – A familiar, if you will. <laughs> yes, a familiar, if you will. And when we say animal companion, of course, we mean stuff like your typical dog. You know, they might have a pooch. Uh, they might have a, a cat or something. But that's not it because you see, although uh, the base – Similarity uh, remains. The fact is that when you hold the highest office in the land, you and your family members get a little more uh, leeway. You have a little more agency. And so it turns out that there are quite a few exotic pets that presidents have had in the past. Yeah, did you know there's a thing called the Presidential Pet Museum, Ben? <laughs> yes. I would love to check that out. But according to them, John Quincy Adams, who is the son of John Adams and also – as it happens, the sixth president of the United States, he – I was about to say ruled. <laughs> he governed from 1825 to 1829 and legend has it – I don't know. Maybe that's – not legend but uh, uh, allegedly, let's say, he had an alligator that he kept in an unfinished room, the East Room, of what was then called the President's House. That's not very creative. It wasn't until uh, Teddy Roosevelt changed the name officially to the White House in 1901. But this alligator apparently was gifted to Adams by the French military officer and uh, revolutionary hero. And uh, and a uh, an important historical figure in the play Hamilton. Marquis de Lafayette, um, who fought with the U.S. against British forces during the American Revolution and also lays down some sick bars in Hamilton. So the story goes that he would keep – he kept this gator in a bathtub? Yeah, in this unfinished room in what was then called the president's house and his his presidential prank was to surprise people by having this alligator – Gotcha. Oh, there goes your leg. (laughs) I'm president. That's how he ends every prank. He laughs and mentions he's president. Uh, There are some people who would raise plot holes in this, right? So Frank Mazzotti, who is an ecologist and biologist at the University of Florida, says – he points out that if you had a large alligator in a bathtub in today's world, that's the thing. The alligator started off small and, you know, as it matured, it grew larger and larger. Uh, he said that it would be cruelty to animals. But also in that day and age, people didn't think about cruelty to animals near the same way. Here's the thing. There's kind of this cycle of – I would say legends or folklore mm-hmm. about gators in the White House 
Because there's also another story that says uh, the son of 31st President Herbert Hoover, a century later in 1929 to 1933, his son Alan Henry Hoover also allegedly had two gators. But the problem is there aren't many primary sources, right? This Mm -hmm. is sort of lore. We don't even know the names of these three alleged gators, Right? Yeah, it's true. According to the White House Historical Association's Evan Pfeiffer, the whole thing with Lafayette, it's, it, it is, has been passed around, but they can't, they haven't placed their hands on the actual origin of this story, or like you said, any kind of real primary documentation that is based, as Pfeiffer says, in reality. Mm-hmm. Joel Treese of the WHHA says, quote, there's no verifiable documentary evidence of that story, I think it's probably a legend. But uh, it's it's a pretty interesting legend just the same. And that's, legend or no, not the only weird, exotic pet that traipsed through the White House. Right. We have phantom gators, which is a cool phrase. And I'm so happy that we got a chance to say it on air. I'm going to just milk that one more time. Phantom gators. Phantom gators. But you are absolutely right, Noel. There have been quite a few strange pets. One thing that probably sticks out to a lot of people when you hear it is uh, Thomas Jefferson, the third president uh, from 1801 to 1809, had a pair of grizzly bears. Yeah, we were talking to Super Producer Casey before the show, and he was reminded of a Paul F. Tompkins bit talking about how wouldn't it be great if we could just keep like something like a bear, small, forever, and even <laughs> though it was ravenous and wanted to eat you, it would just kind of paw at you like a cat attacking your hand. Um, and, you know, that'd be pretty manageable. So Jefferson got a pair of little grizzly bear cubs. Mm-hmm. I hope the mom wasn't around. That would be a bloodbath. But he got those as a gift from an explorer mm-hmm. of the American West. Yeah, Captain Zebulon Pike. Love I, that name. That's so Names were so much cooler. Big time. Our names are okay, but Zebulon? Zebulon. <laughs> so, uh, I feel like yeah. it should be followed with, like, the great. Right? Zebulon, the great and terrible. Uh, the bears arrived around the same time Pike sent a letter in October of 1807 explaining he had found the male and female cubs in the southern region of the Continental Divide. So the mother was not around. Um he recognized, Pike that is, that the grizzly was a different species of bear from those found in the east. And he said that they are considered by the natives of that country as the most ferocious animals on the continent. And he, Jefferson must have been aware of this because he would have heard from Lewis and Clark uh, about encounters with grizzlies. And our buddy Evan Pfeiffer over at the White House Historical Association made a point that these bear cubs were a smash sensation because people had never seen these before. This was not something that was around. They did not have them in zoos in the area. The zoos probably weren't even a thing yet. This was this was very early on in the existence of, again, at the time, the president's house. So it was a big deal. People were excited to see it. The bears lived in a little enclosure that was on the lawn, um, and then eventually they were moved to Philadelphia. Right, yeah, and 
people assume that because they have been in continual contact with humans as cubs, mm. that they would maybe grow up to be gentle giants and, and large and calm. And, a little more docile. Yeah, and that was not the case. Uh, one of them eventually broke out of its cage and terrorized the family of the man who was taking care of them and had to be shot and then they, the other one had to be put down as well because it turns out that one of our continent's most ferocious apex predators is not the kind of thing that you can just take home and hang out with. Unless you could miniaturize them. Unless you could miniaturize them, yes. And speaking of smaller pets – I got to tell you, man, have you ever seen those those YouTube videos of people who have a raccoon that just hangs out with them? I have. I have a friend whose parents mm-hmm. kept several raccoons in kind of a glass enclosure that was sort of built into the wall kind of. Uh-huh. And, and they, they'd take them out and they were pretty chill and cuddly and kind of fun. Like, did you uh, play with one ever? I don't remember if I did, but I definitely saw them handling them. And it, it, it sort of acts sort of like a combination between a monkey and a cat. <laughs> That's a good description. Yeah. And Grace Coolidge, who was the wife of Calvin Coolidge, president number 30 from 1923 to 1929, did the very same thing with a raccoon named Rebecca. Rebecca the raccoon. Ugh, my heart is melting. Uh, so the weird thing about this raccoon, and I don't want, you know, if you dislike the Coolidge administration, just understand this was a very different time. Originally, Rebecca did not have a name because she was traveling to the White House to be part of the Thanksgiving menu. I'm sorry? They were going to cook the raccoon and eat her. Come again? But they fell in love with her. And so they said, oh, we were going to eat you, but now we're going to name you Becky. It's a Thanksgiving miracle. <laughs> Is that sort of like giving clemency to the turkey or I like guess pardoning so. the turkey? This feels a little bit more organic. Yeah. It feels like she just charmed her way into their hearts. That is bonkers. <laughs> and uh, and the, the weirdest thing about it is that they kind of spoiled her. They had this little gold-plated inscribed collar with Rebecca on it, and they had a little cage for her outside, and she just hung out. Until it went rabid, and they had to put her down. I made that up. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you made that up. I know, because that last one was the bears was a bummer. We need a little. Yeah, we need some levity. We don't know what happened to Rebecca the raccoon ultimately, but it does seem as though she brought a lot of joy into the lives of, of, of all that she encountered, um, in, in the White House. And thankfully she was not, uh, consumed at the holiday table. She looks really happy in the pictures. Yeah, yeah, she does. And, um, Grace Coolidge, a bit dour looking, but um, she really <laughs> seems to to enjoy the company of this raccoon. Um, next, we have we're sort of stepping uh, up the, the chain mm-hmm. of varmints. I guess you could call them, right? Yeah, like a, ba- a badger. There we go. A bag of badgers. A bag of badgers. That's a deep cut for just, longtime fans of the show. Just the one this time, and this was one of Theodore Roosevelt's pets. And we got to go deep. With Teddy Roosevelt, president number 26 from 1901 to 1909. So many pets. This man had a menagerie of animals that he brought with him to the White House. And uh, one of the famous ones was Hosiah the Badger, who um, was often uh, toted around the White House grounds by young Archie. Mm-hmm. Teddy's, Teddy's yeah. son. But listen, I- I'm going to laundry list these because they're just too 
charming. Sure. Uh, they're, uh, uh, they give me such joy. Josiah um, never bit faces. Really? Only – he would bite legs sometimes. OK. But, no, only but no face biting. No so face. I'm just going to laundry list these. This yeah. comes from uh, the National Park Service website and this is a list of the Roosevelt's family pets. They included a small bear named Jonathan Edwards, a lizard named Bill, guinea pigs named Admiral Dewey, Dr. Johnson, Bishop Doan, Fighting Bob Evans, and Father O'Grady, Maud the Pig, Hosiah the Badger, Eli Yale the Blue Macaw, Baron Spreckle the Hen, a one-legged rooster, a hyena, a barn owl, Peter the Rabbit, and of course, who could forget, Algonquin the Pony. Ah, Algonquin, what fond memories we have of our times frolicking on the lawn. You and Fighting Bob Evans. (laughs) Was that it, Fighting Bob Evans? Fighting Bob Evans. (laughs) And, uh... Oh, I, I, re- I really like Baron Spreckle, the the hen. These names are fantastic. They're, yeah, and, I, and just speaking of fantastic names, the president's son, Archie, was so fond of Algonquin that his brothers Kermit and Quinton would bring the pony to his room through this elevator in the in the White House. Oh wow! Uh, but Algonquin, apparently, according to the National Park Services, was so captivated, hypnotized even by his own reflection in the elevator mirror that it was really hard for him to get out. (laughs) Algonquin is very into himself. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Sometimes to get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. We're nothing if not trailblazers here at Ridiculous History. And you know also is a huge uh, iconoclastic challenger of the status quo, Ben? Who is that, Noel? I think you know. 
It's hmm. Harry's. Yes, it's Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by all kinds of like slipshod, questionable products in the shaving industry. And they said, hey, you got to be the change. I was excited to try out the Winston set. It's an all-in-one package. You get some shaving cream. You get that great razor we're talking about. They also have deodorant. Yeah, I was about to say. Very helpful. I do really enjoy uh, their line of self-care products. Um, Richly lathering, skin-softening body washes and scents like redwood, wild lens, and stone. You want to know what a stone smells like? I've often wondered. Only you know you can. (laughs) So don't settle for the status quo, folks. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash history. Once again, that's harrys.com slash history for a $3 trial set. Wasn't Teddy Roosevelt kind of like... Yeah, uh, like a like a naturalist, and an environmentalist, sort of an outdoorsman, mm-hmm. you know, which really holds true. There's even a story uh, from the National Park Service again, where his son Quentin burst into an, an important meeting the president was holding in the Oval Office to show him four snakes that he had just gotten from a pet store, uh, and of course, immediately all of the dignitaries in the room just registered annoyance with this precocious young lad. But when he plopped the snakes down onto the table, they all um, you know, it's like getting up on your chair and squealing when you see a mouse or something. They they definitely retreated. One thing we should mention, though, about Roosevelt is much more than just a casual environmentalist. He used his authority constantly to protect wildlife. He created the United States Forest Service, which established 150 national forests, bird reserves, game reserves, national parks, national monuments, and so on. Is he the one that carried the big stick? As a rough rider? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, he he rolled with DMX's crew. Yes, it's uh it's true. It's uh you know, you and I like to include a couple of absolutely true, incredibly not researched facts, and one of them is that uh DMX and uh Teddy Roosevelt communicated across time and space. They came up together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They came up together, but they were no uh they were no Woodrow Wilson, because in a way he had a huge collection of pets, but they were all the same. Yeah, Woodrow Wilson was seemingly a pretty generous president. He sacrificed some of the comforts maybe even of other presidents to kind of give back to the war effort. He had more of an ascetic life than some presidents. Exactly. And and part of this was, uh, I guess, partially to save on costs. Um, he had a flock of sheep that he kept on the White House lawn, 48 to be exact. Mm-hmm. Um, and that – their main purpose was to cut the grass and they were sheared regularly and raised $52,000 mm-hmm. for the Red Cross during an auction of that wool. And it was really important to Woodrow Wilson and his wife to set a good example, you know, for American right. families and to show that you had to chip in to help out with the war effort. And, and I think that's pretty interesting. I think that's also commendable. It reminds me of – you know, some of the other efforts we've seen by administrations and the family members to encourage uh, better nutrition, right, or to give to charities. And in wartime, one interesting fact about the United Kingdom, in wartime, the queen, when she got married, had to use the same, like, ration stamps to to buy the materials for her dress as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think it's I, I think it speaks very highly to the character and also – 
I was not familiar with the idea of using livestock to mow the lawn, but it makes sense. And I, you told me about talking about that with Scott, right? Yeah, from car stuff. Mm-hmm, with my buddy Scott Benjamin. It's a true story. Here in Atlanta, you can actually rent goats for the purpose of lawn maintenance. And I'd like to know if you have an experience renting goats for lawn maintenance. In for your, other reasons. Or other reasons. Whatever. In your neck of the global woods. Uh, and you know, do you have goats? Do you want to rent us one? We'll just hang out with it in the office. Or sheep, but not 48. We don't have room for 48. Goats are apparently pretty cantankerous. Yeah, yeah. They're definitely um, dynamic personalities. Sheep might be a little more sedate. But horses, ponies, right? Stallions of all shapes and sizes. We often forget in 2017 that there was a time when the primary transport of the United States was going to be on foot or by horse, right? On foot or on hoof or on wheels pulled by hooves. The White House once upon a time had a stable large enough for 25 horses and a living area for the staff, the stable staff, right? Yeah, and and speaking of pitching in, apparently the stables caught on fire in 1864 and Abraham Lincoln himself hopped to and tried to help put out the blaze. Um, And for whatever reason, in the early 1900s, the stables were dismantled. And uh, Zachary Taylor, actually, um, which I believe he had one of the shortest presidential terms. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 16 months. Uh, I believe he died unexpectedly. Yeah, he was the 12th president. But he he uh, he had himself a war horse, Ben, mm-hmm. by the name of Old Whitey. <laughs> That's appropriate <laughs> name for a presidential horse. I wonder if it started out with a different name. or You know, you got to wonder how the horse felt when it was uh, juvenile to be named Old Whitey. Old Whitey. Yeah. Old Whitey, yeah. Zachary Taylor uh, had Old Whitey. Old Whitey was, as Noel uh, said, an, a war horse, which means a horse specifically trained to function in battle and uh, be combat ready, not be distracted or as easily shook by loud noises like cannon fire and such. Old Whitey and the Phantom Alligators. That's the – that's the uh, ben. children's book. Oh, man. What do that's you think? got so much potential. A lot of legs. Um, but by far, to me, the cutest presidential pony mm-hmm. belonged to John F. Kennedy's daughter, Caroline. And it was named Macaroni. <laughs> you know, like Yankee Doodle went mm-hmm. to town riding on a pony. Oh, took a feather yeah. in it and called, called it, it Macaroni. Macaroni. That one. Do you know the etymology of that? This is kind of a side note. No, give it to me. So Macaroni – at least in mid-18th century England, was uh, a, a description of a fashionable dude, like almost a hipster type, who uh, dressed a little bit foppishly and uh, had uh, outlandishly flamboyant speech mm-hmm. and affectations. Like a Liberace type. I, You know, I feel like that's accurate. No, I'm, I'm serious. Like, he, he had those like uh, lace – Frilly lace things on his on his wrists mm-hmm. and his collars, and um, sort of like a French duke. Yeah, and they, there we go. And it came about because young men of means, of course, traveled right. to Italy, yes. and they developed a taste for uh, macaroni, 
the pasta, and sure. it wasn't very famous in England then. So then when they came back, they were uh, said to belong to the Macaroni Club. Here's an example I'm showing you oh. of the, with the big wig. Total French Duke. Yeah. And so, Love it. Uh, and so when they stick a feather in their cap and call it Macaroni, it's like, oh, look, I have a feather in my cap. Now I'm one of these hip people. Yes. Which is so weird because for the longest time, that song made no sense to me. I, I just thought it was like absurdist kind of, you know, and yeah. <laughs> I have derailed us so No, far. not at yeah. all. We learned about all kinds of silly stuff on this show and, and, and I love it. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car is called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your teen enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off the that's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's this. There's always a catch. So when we heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, what's the catch? So we dug in, and after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't a catch. Can you believe that? Mint Mobile's got a secret sauce, babies, and it is that they sell wireless service online and by doing so, cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet, sweet, delicious savings directly onto you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I object to the next pet on this list. I'm just going to say it. Categorically, I'm not a fan of these animals. Possums? Not my favorite. No. I don't like their beady little pink eyes and the way they glow in the dark. And how they have so many teeth and they have a rat tail. 
And that irritating silent O at the beginning of their names, what's that about? And some people <laughs> pronounce it. Some people don't pronounce it. It's just bedlam. There's no rhyme or reason to pronouncing the name of this rodent. So, yes, possums, a divisive marsupial, if ever there was such. Yes, and, 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 and thank you for correcting that, Ben. It is a marsupial, not a rodent. <laughs> I still think it has a rat tail. Anyway, so Benjamin Harrison – uh, go Ben's in general, people named Ben, uh, 23rd president from 1889 to 1893, loved animals, this guy. And while he was in office, he had not one, but two pet possums. One was named Mr. Protection and the other was Mr. Reciprocity, which sounds like he's got this whole thing going on. Yeah. It's, it's weird. He, th- he doesn't sound like the most fun guy. <laughs> No, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so the thing that's interesting is that the Harrison family loved Mr. Protection, Mr. Reciprocity, and apparently they were good uh, what we would call optics nowadays for the American public. Like he can't be all that bad. Look at his possums. Look at his trash rats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry to any possum fans out there, but they, they give me the skeebie-jeebies. They're quite um, common where we live. They really are. You'll yeah. see them scampering across the top of a fence right. of the night. Going to Applebee's. Yeah. <laughs> Stinking up the joint. <laughs> but yes, out of out of all the strange presidential pets, those are the only ones that I'm kind of eh on the fence about. And this opened up a a strange culture that I was unaware of. I don't know if you knew. A possum hole, if you will. A possum hole, if you will. Yes, let's let's assume uh, that we do and uh, let's hope you do as well. It turns out that lots of world leaders have had lots of weird pets. Benito Mussolini had a lion. Mm, he had, sure. He had a baby like you lion. Like do, yeah. And we talked about Pablo Escobar and his hippos, right? Mm, his giraffes and other assorted – Exotic, uh, large, unwieldy beasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was North Korean dictator uh, Kim Jong Il, not his son Kim Jong Un. Yeah, it was Kim Jong Il had uh, this huge love of dogs, and later on, his son opened a dog zoo pavilion. So it's a zoo, but just dogs. You know, what would be a good rap name. What's that? Kim Jong Il <laughs> with two L's. With two L's. How is that not a thing yet? That's a great idea. It probably is. That's a great idea. Uh, Fidel Castro had a cow named Ubre Blanca. And Idi Amin did have crocodiles for real, but he fed them corpses of his enemies. Oh, that's that's a functional pet right there. Yeah. It's like those giant pigs in uh, that Silence of the Lambs movie, Hannibal or whatever, Mm -hmm. that eat the bodies. Yeah. Uh, Or or in uh, Deadwood too, Woo and his pigs, you know. I mean that that animal had a job. That exactly. wasn't there just like it wasn't just a charming thing like Rebecca the raccoon. Exactly. But what about the what about the other non-exotic pets, Noel? Yeah, it seems as the time progressed, presidential pets have gotten progressively more vanilla. Uh the most popular and recognizable presidential buddy is is the the, the dog, the loyal friend of man and woman. The canine. Yeah. I mean, dogs and people, we go, we go way back and there's pretty compelling evidence, uh, that humans have impacted the evolution of dogs. 
Yeah, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was the 32nd president from 1933 to 1945, had a pretty famous um, companion by the name of Fala. It was a Scottish terrier and it famously attended his funeral um, oh. and has, is now uh, remembered at the uh, FDR Museum in Washington. Oh, man. That's, Isn't that sad? Yeah. You know what it makes me think of? A Pixar movie? Well, a Disney property for sure, though. Um, you know, Carrie Fisher famously uh, played Princess Leia and, and did a great job in her last role in The, the Last Jedi, which I really enjoyed quite a lot. Um, she had a, a loving dog that she took with her everywhere. Whenever she was on the press circuit, she always had this little dog, and apparently – uh, the dog attended a, a premiere or s- whenever it sees her on TV, it kind of gets gets bummed out. And I think the dog actually had a cameo in The Last Jedi. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's amazing. That's a that's a more heartwarming note there. I think so, too. Moving on back to presidents, we have Warren G. Harding, president number 29, 1921 to 1923. Um, his dog's name was Laddie Boy. And he gifted Laddie Boy a hand-carved chair to sit alongside him during meetings. It's good to be king, you know. And when it comes to the type of animals that are present in the White House, by far, as Noel said, they're going to be dogs. But I'm I'm amazed with these names, you know. Like this goat named Old Whiskers. Taft had a cow named Pauline. Last cow to live at the White House so far. And it seems that almost – well, it seems that the vast majority of presidents at least had a dog, doesn't it? It does seem that way. And there's a great quote that kind of sums all this up from Evan Pfeiffer from the White House Historical Association um, that sort of gets to the heart of this, what, why this is such a thing, um, except for with our current president. Um, pets humanize the White House and the presidency. Just like so many Americans have pets, so do the presidents. It's a link between the life of a president – and the life of millions of Americans. And I think that is spot on. And that is a good time for us to end today because this is making me miss my pets a little bit. You know, I want to go take them out and hang out with them and and, uh, go on walks and adventures. Uh, It reminds me also, folks, we'd like to hear about what kind of exotic animal you would keep as a pet no holds barred, you know, if this is a wishes or horses type situation where the animal would have all the, you know, all the freedom to move around that it wanted to and it wouldn't be stuck in any position of cruelty. But if you could, like, be friends with any any exotic animal, what would it be and why? I would want a, a baby hippopotamus that just stayed a baby forever. See, I would want a tiger or a bear that that could talk to me and, uh, you know, we would hang out and we would go – I don't know. We we would go uh, adventuring, skiing, maybe. Yeah, we get some tiger trail walking, bear skis. Mm-hmm. We probably start with just trail walking. Yeah, we'll have to ease into like laser tag and stuff. There you go. That sounds like a friendship for the ages, Ben. <laughs> Thanks, man. And uh, we want to hear uh, your thoughts. Uh, as you can tell, we're we're very much fans of presidential trivia, and I think the quote by Evan there nailed it. The motivation for these strange and unusual pets. Uh, we very much hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope that you will check us out, send us a review wherever you get your podcast. And you can also find Noel and I on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
Twitter's the other one. That's the one. <laughs> it's popular, but doesn't know how to make money, apparently. It's true. But if you don't want to do any of that stuff, why not just send us a good old-fashioned email to ridiculous at howstuffworks.com. And, and most importantly, I hope you're having a happy new year. I feel like we missed the boat on saying that. Oh, yeah. Happy um, new year, everyone. Yeah. And I just want to mention, too, um, this show is produced and edited by Casey Pegram, and our theme music is composed by the lovely Alex Williams. Um, and we record here in our studios at Pont City Market in Atlanta, Georgia. And we also want to thank our fellow researcher, John Donovan, who wrote the article uh, on the history of strange animals in the White House for How Stuff Works. And most importantly, we want to thank you for listening and hope that you'll join us next time for another episode of Ridiculous History. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.